Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. Hey. Yeah. Let's talk cannabis. Let's talk magic mushrooms and the magic of mushrooms. Let's do that with Robert Silver and Joni Camletta. Let's get them on. So you're a forager. I am a very keen mycologist, amateur mycologist and, and forager, which is why I was very excited when, uh, when we heard you wanted to come on the show. Oh my Curious. goodness, how exciting. Curious if an island such as England, which has been separated from the mainland for many millennia, if you have very unique species there. We do, we do. We have, well, we don't know how many species <laughs> we have here. And in fact, as I'm talking to the patients who converted here, but of course, mushroom identification has, has really blossomed over the last few years. The main mushrooms that I think we'll probably talk about tonight, and sorry, my, any moment now, I'm looking at Mike, because any moment now he's going to send me a, a private message saying, shut the fuck up. Oh, but, no, so, no. And what kind of but, mushrooms? Well, you said you, you were going to talk about which mushroom tonight, yeah, and I was hanging on the edge of my chair. Okay, yeah, I thought, I thought I was on a bit of a cliffhanger. So until about um, 20 years ago, it was thought that there was only one species of Ganoderma, mm. Ganoderma lucidum. Yeah. Uh, and I suspect that's one of the ones we'll talk about tonight. Yes. Uh, now we Rob's know that favorite there are, mushroom. Rob what, loves 15, Ganoderma. Yeah. 15 species, 70 subspecies. It's something like yeah. that, isn't it? Um, yep. This is the, I'm going to mispronounce it, but the reishi. Yes, reishi. Yep. Is, and they've recently Mushroom. redefined that taxonomy that reishi is actually not exactly the same as the Ganoderma lucida. They have a new name for it, which is Ganoderma Leisure's opinion for reishi, for what is Japanese reishi, but it's a Chinese pinion for the same mushroom that the Japanese call reishi. Yeah. I, I know it's great, isn't it? Reishi yeah. is lingerie in opinion. Anglicized Chinese is what it's written in English. And do you find reishi in, in your neck of the woods? I we, would we imagine, do. yeah. We do, yeah. And yeah. turkey tail, I would imagine as well. Absolutely, absolutely. How about There's lion's the... mane? Because yeah. yeah, oh yeah, sweet. Yeah. Really yeah. nice. There's um, uh, a lovely stand of, of lion's mane. Uh, I think I took. Did I take you to see it, Mike Rackham? No. Did we go there? No, you didn't. I just send you photographs when I'm out walking, going, <laughs> "Oh, Julian, look what I found." Can I? And then about an hour later, when I'm another six miles down the road, you go, yes, definitely. And I'm going, what? <laughs> or, or no, don't touch it. Oh, okay, I'll go and take it and put it back then, shall I? Well, yeah, I was worried you were going to say a couple hours later after you've already eaten it. <laughs> he says, yeah, oh, probably, no. It's probably again. It was don't rare, do that. lovely white spots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so got, so my guys, interest. You guys sorry, are no, using my... mushrooms as uh, and, uh, as a herbal medicine aren't you well, is... yeah mushrooms have well. many purposes depending on the mushroom itself and right. um we can't really call them herbs herbs per se because they're not angiosperms they're not they're in yeah. a different kingdom entirely but i think herbal medicine even botanical medicine doesn't fit but we understand what you mean when you say yeah right yeah 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 because so, mushrooms aren't plants, they're not animals, they're in an entirely different kingdom. They have their own. Completely different kingdom. And some interesting facts about that particular thing is that it's believed, they've been able to trace it back, that mushroom, the fun, kingdom fungi and kingdom animal both arose from the same single-celled organism. So they share a lot of DNA, which is wow. fascinating. Is that may explain why so many fungal pathogens are just so toxic, but also why kingdom fungi can provide us with medicinal benefits. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, why they have more, I mean, more, they really have more in common with humans and animals than they do with plants, which Absolutely. I just find amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. Plus which no no tree would survive without mushrooms. Very few orchids. Not, uh, I don't right. think any of those would. Life I, itself. I, I don't think I could, I could survive without beer or wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we need a fungus and, for that. And then tre yeah. trees form symbiotic relationships with mushrooms, like the yew tree. I don't, mm. Do you even know the name of the mushroom that the yew tree 
connects with well, it's, to it's create fungus. Yeah. It's a complicated yeah. fungal Latin name. I'd yeah. have to look at yeah. that. Yeah. But that's where yeah. that's where taxol comes from the yes. the relationship between the two, from which fungus. is very interesting. Yeah. Then another thing I find really cool is that like you were mentioning so many different mushrooms. There are so many out there. I mean, we haven't even discovered them yet. Like in the what is it in the in the millions? And we've probably only identified between like two and eight percent of the mushrooms that are out there. And then we when you think of that two to eight percent, how many we're actually using in in med well medicinally or even as culinary mushrooms, like the potential for the medicine that's out there and also the really yummy stuff, but I don't want to be the first person to taste a new mushroom. That's for sure. <laughs> you can try any mushroom once. can't you? That's right. Every mushroom is edible once. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. So, so let me ask you this then, because Rob, you're a vet. That's what they say. And Joni, <laughs> you're a vet tech. Correct. Okay. So you set off on your mission from when to become a vet and to become a vet tech? When did you start all of well, that? Jeremy and I are both kind of old timers. We may not want to tell you the exact dates. I don't want to know your exact dates. <laughs> Jeremy's just out of a teens. I'll hear nothing hey, else. Rob, Rob, you've got more <laughs> hair than, than me and input together, so we're not going there. So I am, um, yeah, I, uh, I've always, I've always loved animals, of course, but when it came time to choose a career because of my interest in science, my folks wanted me to be a medical doctor and I just couldn't see working on people. They're so disgusting. So, <laughs> so I now gravitated towards, towards a medical career as a vet. And I did eventually pursue that after school. I graduated from vet school in 82. So I've been doing this a while. Now it's going to be 41 years, I guess, as of this January. It's a long time. Mm. So and I've retired from practice in the last 10 years to specifically work with mushrooms, cannabis, and postgraduate education, trying to educate veterinarians who really are going to be responsible for caregiving of our animals. And it's by educating them. It's like giving a guy a fishing rod instead of, because by, if I can teach the vets alternative therapies or get them fired up about them, I can touch so many more animals with my work. Mm, and yeah. she has her special story too. Yeah. And I should just say that Rob, most of your career has been in integrative medicine. He was one of the very first integrative medicine vets probably in the world. I, yeah, yes. <laughs> one of the first house call vets. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, but England had the house call vets for ages. Well, I mean, that's was, true. I mean, well, you US. all had James Harriet, right? <laughs> and, well, in the, in the US, we reinvent stuff. In the U.S., we reinvent stuff from Europe and call it our own. But yeah, we, that's true. We have, we have to thank. That, that reminds me of a, a word I made up earlier on today. I'm very proud of it. I'm sorry. Um, I, I made up a word today. A word, brand new word. I made it up. Plagiarism. Oh, I love that word. It's great, <laughs> isn't it? Plagiarism. You can, you can use it if you want. I think I'm going to steal that word. I like yeah. that a lot. Enough to take it. What does it mean, Julian? <laughs> no idea. I don't know what the use for Not it. Not a clue. I just like the way it sounds. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so just to answer your question, yeah, I, I came to it from a little bit of a different path than Rob. I, I was a bartender, and then I moved to a, I moved I'll, to a spiritual I'll, I'll, community. I'll drink to that. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Yeah, working in the bar and nightclubs. I had dropped out of college and then I kind of had a spiritual awakening. I moved to an ashram, a spiritual community. And while I was there, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And so this was back in 1996. And they took out like an 18 centimeter tumor out of me that turned out to be cancerous. And at first, they didn't know if it was cancerous, so they had closed me back up. And when they wanted to go in and do chemo, radiation, the whole thing, something in me just said no. I turned it down, and I didn't know anything about integrative medicine. But I started, like, people that were living in the community I was in, they were, like, acupuncturists and Reiki masters, and they did Chinese medicine. I mean, I even drank my own urine for, that was, there was urine therapy. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. And my dog had mammary cancer at the same time. So I started doing similar, some of the similar treatments with her. And anyway, I'm still here 25 years plus later. And my dog, she lived, she was about eight years old when she had the mammary cancer. She lived to be about 17. 
Wow. And it kind of woke me up to the options. Um, yeah. So yeah. I went back to school. I went to school to become a veterinary technician when I was 40. I'm 64 now, or I'm sorry, 62. I'm aging myself. And uh, yeah, and I went, I also went straight into integrative medicine because I really felt like my experience with my dog when back then, like right now, and I'm sure in your neck of the woods too, the people are getting a lot more integrative medicine, acupuncture, et cetera. There was nothing like that back then. So we kind of had to kind of find our way. And now it's becoming, of course, very popular. It is becoming popular. And there's, there's a sort of gray area, isn't there, between it? becoming popular because it's a fad and becoming popular because it actually works and a bit somewhere as well in there where there's an evidence base to back it up right and it's filling in all those dots that's needed before it becomes a mainstream accepted way of doing things isn't it i think it's starting to get there with things like ganoderma certainly in in chemotherapy in this country but rob You, you were saying that you, or Joni said you started it in, 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 in America. How? What, what did you do? How did you actually... Well, I, when, I when I graduated vet school in 82, I thought I had all the tools I'd need to do battle with the nasty diseases of the world. And after a few years, I was able to do a lot, but there were some patients that just slipped through the cracks of Western medicine, you know, to be blunt. And these were mainly the chronic disease patients, many of the cancers, the autoimmune disease, the Cushing's disease, mm. the hormonal types of things that, that really there's just not a cut to cure or a drug to cure. There's really more of lifestyle change and using supplements and trying to alter the chemistry of the body through diet and, and herbs and nutraceuticals and mushrooms, or acupuncture, whatever it might be. So that was when I started my journey about five years out of school. And, and I found a book that talked about how to do homemade diets for pets. And I, I tried to get involved in some of the training programs of which there were very few, but I was a poor, struggling new vet at the time, couldn't afford them. So I got a book and the book had a diet in it. So I started doing, and my well, the clients that I was seeing in the little area that I was in Colorado were asking me for homemade diet advice because they didn't like the commercial foods, which were pretty, really crap. They're not so great now, but they were really crappy back then. And I started just giving them diet recipes that I'd learned from this book. And they'd come back and they go, Fido's doing so much better, doc. Thanks. You're a genius. I'm going to do that. Well, okay. So, so I started there and then I grabbed, joined a local herb group that does herb walks and identification and talks about edible plants and survivalism and stuff. So I got involved in that and then started transferring that towards medicinal uses and found that there's some getting into the human, connected with human herbalists and learned a lot there. And then it just kept mushrooming, so to speak. I finally was able to afford So what you did then, Rob? Yeah, Yeah, I I then was able to take the acupuncture training. And with that, I started to learn about Chinese herbs, which are very powerful and which which use more mushrooms than Western herbs. And so that's kind of how it all sort of Hmm. together. I mean, that's a 40-year career there. I mean, that's a long time. And, and so too much to my, at first I was kind of reviling, what am I doing when people would actually got some phone calls when I was practicing in a very conservative religious area about the crystals I had out, the, the thing, whatever it was they were thinking. Um, but now it's like, it's become so mainstream. I've gone from being a pariah to a prophet. And it's very interesting that here I am on a podcast with UK, just talking about what I've done and what I know. That's cool. Yeah, but I do want to add that both Rob and I feel that it's important to combine, like it's not an either or situation, like integrative medicine is part of a well-rounded protocol that that includes all of the tools. And Um, integrative, not exclusionary. And actually, and thank you, Joni, that that was a good point. And actually, the definition of integrative medicine is the blending of the best of conventional med- medical diagnostics, mm-hmm. therapeutics, with mm-hmm. the best alternative therapies for which there is a good evidence basis. So yeah. it's a blending. And each patient requires a different blend. One patient might need mostly conventional and a little bit just to mitigate side effects. Another patient, you don't need the conventional shit, if I can say that. So in many regards, what integrative medicine offers the veterinarian is an off-ramp because 
veterinarians are getting burned out. The suicide rates in veterinarians are the highest of any profession. And the monetarily, vets don't do as well as human practitioners. And so I have found many veterinarians gravitate towards integrative medicine. It allows them to feel like they're actually being a doctor. They're actually yeah. practicing. They're actually caregiving instead of just achieving a diagnosis and using a cookie cutter set of treatments for it. this mm -hmm. diagnosis. You just do this and this. And of course, those are provided by pharma that benefits from the sale of their right. stuff. So, right. so really it's a blending. So, I mean, that's really what I think integrative medicine is. And it's, it's great. It really has rejuvenated my own interest in medicine. So what I just wanted to add on a point that, that Rob made earlier about when he started out and thought he had all the tools. I got out of hands-on as a technician and a canine working in canine rehabilitation. I got out in 2011, got into the supplement industry, and my job was teaching veterinarians about nutrition and herbs and supplementation. And it was an uphill, I mean, of course, with integrative practices, you're preaching to the choir. But when I would go out looking for new veterinarians, the ones that would the ones that were the most interested were, it was that non-resolving case, that the one where you try everything and, or the one where, you know, 20 years ago, an animal came in with a skin condition, you gave an antibiotic, you didn't see them again until their annual. Now you give the antibiotic, they might be in a couple of weeks after the antibiotic runs out, you're doing that, you're doing more, you're doing the pulse antibiotic. And it's so frustrating mm -hmm. to these vets. And so that client also gets frustrated, goes down the road to the integrative vet, the dog gets better. The, the, my favorite veterinarians are the ones that say, what did that person do? Tell me about it. How can I learn about it? And it's mm -hmm. that non-resolving, that non-resolving case is the instigator of that yeah. learning. As vets, we should be interested. Mike, Mike isn't a vet, but he is a scientist. And so as a scientist in all of us, we should be interested in what's going on. We should want a yes. thirst for, for, for that knowledge. Exactly. How, how does it work? Yeah. And we may not know how, and sometimes we take things on faith with, with naturopathy. We, we do an awful lot, Julian. A lot of times you ask a clinician how a conventional medicine work works, rather, and he or she will have not the faintest idea. So, right. and yet they'll say, I won't use any caprinus species because I, I don't know how it works. Right. Right. Okay, you tell me how, how that chemical you're using there works and then i'll accept that you won't use right. another a plant that has a group of chemicals because you don't know how they work so they're closed mindsets aren't they these yeah people? There, there's a defensiveness sometimes well, and i think part of that comes from busyness they just they're very busy they can't take another thing on i find that's they really want to be in the center of the herd and mm -hmm. so they want to know other vets that are doing it and getting success and they want the white paper of course also but yeah. one of the, one thing about, I just want to brag about Rob here. One of the things I love about working with Dr. Silver, Rob here, is that he's very evidence-based. And I have to admit, I kind of wasn't when I, I was a little more woo-woo, like very working with a lot of <laughs> anecdotal evidence, et cetera. And when I started working with Rob with real mushrooms, it's really kind of learning a new way of looking at it because Rob always asks, well, where's the evidence? Where's the papers? So I'm very lucky in that a friend of mine was president of the Herbal Society of Great Britain. So he's now, he's done a PhD in the effects of turmeric on anti-inflammatory pathways. And we interviewed mm. him, didn't we? So Tony Booker. Oh, Tony, yeah, yeah. Professor Tony Booker. Oh, yeah. And he's an incredibly intellectual guy, absolutely fantastic. He and I do a lot of mushroom foraging, and we're constantly arguing about what, what the best way of cooking a particular type of mushroom is. <laughs> but I'll always look to him for advice on treating. <laughs> I love it. So, Rob, <laughs> tell me, I mean, we, we've, you've mentioned this integrative vet thing, okay? So yes. accepting that this magic book you read all those years ago. Oh, yes. Well, well you mentioned a book that uh, turned you in towards yes. looking at this. What was that book? That was the 1982 edition of Dr. Pitcairn's Natural Health for Dogs and Cats. And that was a really key. That was a really quintessential book at that time for a lot of veterinarians. And the recipes were good, but they were very carbohydrate heavy. We've changed a lot of our concepts regarding nutrient profiles. And these days we wouldn't really use 
such heavy carbohydrate profiles for our foods, just because we know that carbohydrates, that ingestion of excessive carbohydrates, especially processed carbohydrates, but can lead to inflammation. Don't, don't get into a carbohydrate discussion with Mike. Don't. Oh, too late. <laughs> and there's different types of carbohydrates. The carbohydrates that are found in mushrooms, if I can switch our conversation, really are, are not digestible. And but they signal our immune system. So there's all kinds of carbohydrates out there. Absolutely. I'm, I'm all for I'm all for mushroom carbohydrate. Yes. Don't worry. Well, they're more hydrocarbons, aren't they? Triterpenes and things like that. Yeah. Well, th those aren't the carb those are not the polysaccharides. You know, those are the terpenes, yeah. Right. So what does your average day look like then? Because presumably you're working as an integrative vet. Well, I'm not in practice, Mike. I retired from practice, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago to work exclusively with postgraduate education. Okay. And I get my funding from working with companies, providing technical training to veterinarians around topics that would sell their products. Although I don't actually do the product pitch, I give the information that pitches yep. the product. So to speak, without talking about the product itself. So I'm involved in, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm really involved in educating veterinarians because I believe every educate, every vet I educate, I can touch hundreds of more animals and families than I could just one at a time in the trenches. Yeah. So plus I'm older, probably older than both of you guys. Maybe <laughs> both of you combined, if you add your ages together, it might be mine. What, um, you're 135? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Very well preserved. It's the mushrooms. Well well, <laughs> it well, I have to say, I have to credit. The reishi. Uh, you know, I, was, I was going to say the vine, but you know. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, it could be the reishi, the mushroom of immortality. So, but anyway, that just caused me to lose my train of thought. So, see that I really am old. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're talking about your your, your day and your daily routine, and and and, um, and the advice that you give uh, that, that will help veterinarians choose the best product. Is there well, much well, difference much in the quality? quality? I'm really not teaching products so much as teaching process. Sorry, teaching so which then enables them to to, to yeah, go along and, and approach a company and say it's right for them. Yeah. And so is there, and I'm expecting the answer is a big yes here, but is there a lot of difference in, in quality between certain companies' products? Well, yes. If you're talking about cannabis, yes. If you're talking about mushrooms, yes. And in general, and with animal products in the U.S., cannabis. There, there's no real government regulation of animal yeah. products. So it has to be done really by trade groups or by the companies themselves. Mm -hmm to follow those guidelines. And so it could be, and I hear this phrase all the time, the wild west in terms of products, because there's no regulation. You don't know what you're getting. You have to mm -hmm. query the company for their certificates of analysis and other types of information indicating product purity and product potency. So, I mean, that's a big piece really is the quality of products in the marketplace. And that's an area that I've really dove dived down into. In addition to creating products, I design products, putting them together, but also manu the manufacturing and the labeling and the language and making sure you're fitting with regulatory. And it's really, a, it's a very interesting field. It's not so much medicine, but it's really facilitating the delivery of good medicines where it's needed, if you can do it right. And Rob just actually completed a really interesting mushroom study, the comparison study, which kind of falls I, into this category. I, I, I yeah. tend to be digressing with you guys. Joni's keeping me on track. <laughs> That's my job. We, it's ramblings. It's ramblings. It's, well, it's cool. I kind of like a pub just chatting with you because maybe maybe that's. What I kind of think that's the idea, though. <laughs> it, is, it is the idea. So, <laughs> tell us about this study. So I should go get a beer then, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. A bit. As long as you have a glass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So in the study, okay. So to speak specifically of mushrooms, which would probably be, ha which would make our company happy. There are different, two different ways of cultivating, of growing mushrooms in our country. I'm not sure about what, how it is in Europe and what's going on there. So I can only speak to what I know of here domestically, but when you grow mushrooms, whether you're doing co in commercial cultivation of mushrooms or even in the in-home cultivation, because I'm growing mushrooms here in my basement, you start with the spores or you start with the pure mycelium on, a, on an augered plate. And then you mm -hmm. use that to inoculate sterile grain 
and the mycelium runs through the grain completely, doesn't digest it, the grain completely, but runs through it. And you've got a highly myceliated grain, looks a lot like tempeh, if you've seen that stuff. They, they call that grain spawn. And then we take that mycelium that's living on this, this grain, and then we put it on whatever the natural substrate might be. Most mushrooms, dead or dying wood, some compost, litter, manure, depending where their natural substrate is, and then they grow. Now that can take up to six months. So it gets to be hard for a company to be profitable because of the amount of labor and time it takes to grow those mushrooms. So some companies have created shortcuts. What they do is instead of, they go as far as the grain spawn and that's where they stop. They take the grain spawn and they dry it and they powder it. They put it in a jar and they say, mushroom. Now, some are actually saying, they're calling this mycelium biomass grown on oats or rice or mm -hmm. whatever that might be. That's transparent and that's good. I, at least they're telling the consumer what it is. Other companies don't. They just call it mushroom. And that is fraudulent, quite frankly, and is wrong. And so we're, mm -hmm. we I created this study where I purchased 10 products off the internet that claimed they had mushrooms and turkey tail in them. And then we got them in. We had some an employee in our company tape them up so we didn't know what they were and put a number on them. And then we sent them off to a third-party lab as numbered bottles and had them analyze them and send the results back to us by number. We had a, a our employee kept that that code, that key to what they were. And so mm -hmm. when we analyzed them for their beta-glucan content, beta-glucan is the indigestible carbohydrate in the mushroom, which is responsible for its immunogenicity, for stimulating the immune system, plus many other properties, including regulating cholesterol and so on and so forth. So we also had to measure the other carbohydrate, which is the digestible carbohydrate in that product. Now, if it's grown on grain, and there's still grain in that powder, there's going to be a heck of a lot of starch. And because mm. the dilution effect of the grain, and because it's mycelium, which has been diluted out, you're not going to get as high a beta-glucan content. And that's what our study showed, was that there were six products that we got, which had very high starch and way low beta-glucan. So normally 25 to 50% of a mushroom should be beta-glucan. These mm. were coming in at 2 to 5%. Normally, Really yeah, one, one was 1.6%. Yeah. And normally mushrooms will have maybe 2% digestible carbohydrates, mm. Um, mm. Mike, and just addressing <laughs> the carbohydrate guy. And then, and these were coming in as high as 66% starch. So it's very clear. And so we're trying to educate. Now, of course, we call our company Real Mushrooms because we go the whole route. We grow them to the full mushroom and harvest them. And then we process them to extract the beta-glucans with hot water. And with our reishi, we use alcohol to get the terpenes out as well because we get 4% triterpenes, which is huge for reishi. Um, mm. and, and so, but there are other companies that don't. So we really want to get this out there and we're going to have it published in a veterinary media company's magazine that has like a, a distribution of like 60,000 veterinarians to just because if I were to go peer reviewed and published a journal, which I think it could be done, it's, it might be a couple of years. And we think this is information that needs to. When it comes out, send us the link and we'll put it on the website. Oh, we will. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Make a note. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. The article comes out because, I mean, I could send you the study itself, but it's so much more impressive when you see it in the context of a publication. I guess Absolutely. It, it sounds very impressive. Again, T Tony Booker, uh, uh, my, my friend who we had on, did a, a lot of research into sources of turmeric mm -hmm. and active ingredients. In the drying process, a lot of the, a lot of the active ingredients were bleached out. Yeah, were washed out. Yeah, and a huge amount more were mixed in with fillers. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. They, they used dried pumpkin to color orange yeah. color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, the adulteration in the herbal industry right now is huge, and, and it's massive. Big, yeah, yeah. Really, you have to be careful about your sources. There's one, and I actually did quite a bit of digging digging down to turmeric. I feel like I'm a bit of an expert in that area as well. And there's there's one product that uses two different species of turmeric and then uses the volatile oils of those and claims they get better absorption because that's the big issue with turmeric. Is it so very, very poorly absorbed? Is it 4% or something? It's pretty low, isn't it? 
Yeah, so you have to take huge dosages, like tablespoons or so at a time. Now, fortunately, the pharmaceutical industry has enabled improved absorption through using surfactants and a variety of different types of, of liposomal types of approaches that, that seem to be yes. working pretty well. And, but in new facts, or just, just a little aside here again, if yeah. you eat turmeric with okra, the ladies' fingers, but the saponins in, yeah. in ladies' fingers, apparently... Early studies show increase absorption. Nice. So, <clears throat> so does the fenugreek is actually does it? Does those it? studies. Well, yep. The way the traditional Indian way to cook turmeric turns out to also increase absorption using oil, cooking it using black pepper. Black yeah. pepper contains something called piperine. And piperine mm. actually inhibits glycopro P glycoprotein, which is a molecule in the gut that enables or inhibits the transport of, regulates the transport of items across the gut. So with black pepper, for instance, you get an increased absorption simply because of the presence of this piperine. But mm. the problem with that is piperine is not selective. So anything can get more absorbed. Yeah. And so if you have toxins in there or whatever, so it may not be, it was, so that's what, that's why, the, that's how the Indians were able to find out it actually had medicinal value. And apparently in India, because of the amount of turmeric they eat, there's a very low rate of Alzheimer's. Apparently it does have a protective benefit yep. for that inflammatory condition we see up there with all those tangles of that entangled mm. life we see up there of, of those proteins. So, uh, sure. I shall make a note to get some turmeric tea tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. I told you that yesterday, Mike. Did you? <laughs> and the day before, and the day before that. I shall make a note to get some turmeric <laughs> There's a mushroom in that. Mine's main. Might yeah. help you remember yes. to take your turmeric. Oh, absolutely. It, it could well do. Yeah, yes. right now, lion's mane is the most popular mushroom in the U.S. Mm-hmm. In part because of the memory, the, the, the benefits for memory, as well as its reduction in stress, and it's about benefits for dementia. So I, I'm in a play in May, and I've just started eating lion's mane because I think it might well help my my learning of the lines. So. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. But remember that a mushroom is 90% water, so right. you're going to have to eat a fairly substantial amount of the mushroom itself. You may look for a extracted powder, which could be more, as long as it doesn't have the grain. Sorry, when I said eating it, I, my, my friend has sourced me the powder. Is, oh, it, is it available in the UK? Because I know like in Australia, lion's mane was not, has not been legalized as a supplement. It, it is, yeah. It's all, all imported, but quite legally. Well. Okay. Um, okay. What, what, what isn't as legal in this country is, is cannabis. And of course, that's gaining popularity in the in the pet world. Yes. Not only as as a, the, the cannabinoid extracts and oil, but also as the whole leaf. Yeah. Now, quite. <laughs> I, I really what are you doing with the whole leaf? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're literally talking to the man who wrote the book on cannabis for animals, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> you, just... yeah. you did. Now, this was some um, endocannabinoid system of animals, wasn't it? That, well, uh, that was peer-reviewed paper but before that i wrote a book called medical marijuana and your pet and i just finished my second book which includes cannabis plus mushrooms and right now i'm looking for a publisher so that should hopefully that'll come out but it's a process (laughs) it's a process you know excellent well again let let us know when that comes out on the website as well so mike and i were having a brief chat before you came on about um (laughs) about cannabis um and we we remember it vaguely coming out in the human world as a, uh, an additional form of treatment for multiple sclerosis about 15 years ago in the UK. And mm-hmm. things went a little bit quiet. And then more recently, over the last two or three years, cannabinoid oils have been mm-hmm. pushed as pretty much a cure-all for everything. So joint function, memory function, Sleep and depression, all sorts of things. Yes. Uh, what, what can we, we give our pets or ourselves and benefit well, from it? Why? Of course, we have to attend to whatever the legal, the legal things are in your local area. And I can't speak to that for you guys. Britain has the benefit of having probably the top pharmaceutical company in the world that has done more research into cannabis, THC, than any other pharmaceutical in the world. I think they've been bought already. It's called GW Pharmaceuticals. 
And they did the research that created that first product you were describing for multiple sclerosis, which was mm-hmm. a sublingual one-to-one THC to CBD called Sativex. And Sativex was approved for the neuropathic pain associated with multiple sclerosis, but has been used quite a bit off-label because that combination also is really good for cancer pain, intractable pain, and even to treat cancer itself, because we, we know that there are receptors on cancer cells for cannabinoids, and that, it, that cannabinoids actually can induce apoptosis in cancer cells, which means programmed cell death. So, yes. but for our pets, Dogs in particular are, have a, the high, a huge distribution of receptors for THC in their cerebellum, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for coordination and movement. And so dogs are super, super sensitive to THC. I really recommend against the use of THC in any of our domestic animals because mm-hmm. an animal has the survival instinct at its core. It needs to be able to see. It needs to be able to feel like it's in balance. It needs to be able to hear. And when they're under the influence of something like THC, those perceptions are altered and their sense of survival gets heightened, you know? And so I don't think it's a good thing. So you have to watch the amount of THC in a product. So we don't really talk so much about cannabis for pets or marijuana for pets so much as we talk about CBD or non-THC cannabis Mm -hmm. products for pets because that's safer for them and but what we do know is that the that when you take the thc out of the equation which is makes it much safer it doesn't affect the potency of the entire collection of cannabinoids because there is this understanding that the when you have multiple cannabinoids as the plant contains in it there's maybe a hundred different cannabinoids maybe 200 different terpenes maybe 40 different flavonoids, not all at the same time in the same plant, but a great variation, you know, that when you have those together in the same plant, they work synergistically. We call that the entourage effect. And that means that the sum is greater than the parts. Mm-hmm. And that also means that you can use lower doses to get better effects. That also means that instead of using like a purified CBD, where you need a higher dose, which is associated with more side effects, you get fewer side effects too. So, so we want to look for CBD. And Mike, you know, when you were mentioning about that, you were saying, you know, or I think you were saying that it almost seems unbelievable that it could address so many different issues. I mean, how can one thing do that? And the reason, the answer to that is that the cannabinoids and the terpenes in the cannabis are what we call promiscuous ligands or promiscuous molecules, and they will signal at receptors in a variety of systems and create change. They'll signal receptors up here, and depending where the receptors are signaled, you might get psychotropic if it's THC, or you might get calming. It can signal in the skin receptors there and reduce itchiness, things like that. Receptors in the gut reduce issues with IBD. So there's a real reason why, and it's because the molecules of cannabis look just like molecules that our body produces. And that's why it works. It's very cool. It's got me- They also work in certain circumstances as as gene modulators, won't they? So Um, they'll be a a gene regulator. I'm not aware of any effect on changing the DNA, but it can have an effect on the epigenetics, which is- That's that's what I mean. They're clearly not going to change the nucleic acid makeup, but they'll change the expression of genes. Yes, and and some of the- and, And that's because some of these same molecules found in cannabis- will actually bind with receptors on the nuclear membrane. And they send signals into the DNA to produce molecules that are anti-inflammatory or whatever that molecule signals for. Mm. So yeah. yes, it, that's how it affects the DNA, the genetic material. Yeah. I, I like the sound of this because this obviously, for you, Joni, all you got to do is mix a little bit of Lebanese with a little bit of Moroccan and a little bit of Colombian, and then you can have your sound. <laughs> and I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's all you need. Just yeah. throw everything else away. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that'll down-regulate the gut response to the gluten, so you could... Uh... Ah, there you go. I'll be eating pizza before you know it, along with my <laughs> sourdough pizza rye bread. Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> You've healed me. Thank you. This one podcast, it all becomes clear. What do you want on your pizza? Just a little bit of cannabis, please. That'll be yeah. me. <laughs> Every, everything goes better with canna- cannabis, right? <laughs> <laughs> so now, 
It is a very nice plant, I will say. I do like it. It is, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Beautiful plant. And I think it, for some reason, nature has given us the, these tools and we're, yes. uh, we either embrace them and look for some evidence-based and some mm -hmm. science behind them, or, or we shun them to our detriment. Yeah, there's some theories about cannabis and about mushrooms, particularly the psychedelic mushrooms, that they mm. may have been ingested by early humans or by hom by the last of the apes before the hominids and altered thought process and improved the ability to imagine and do the kinds of things that that more more evolved hominids do. Yeah. And they call that what do they call it, the stoned ape theory? the stoned ape hy hypothesis. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I read that. Yeah. I read that, and I immediately got this vision in my mind. There was a I can't remember who wrote the article on that. It's a few years back now. Uh, I immediately got this tremendous vision in my mind of some pre Neanderthal even yeah, uh, yeah yep. pre Neanderthalensis exactly wandering around picking at a liberty cap and suddenly says, "Well, man, hey, we <laughs> should make some fire." Saying, I don't know what it is, but let's just do it, man. Yeah, have you ever seen this circle? Maybe that would be a wheel. Whoa, yes, a wheel. yes. Whoa. Well, let's form a community and let's hunt together. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> there's there's the like, unfortunately. Yeah, corner, yeah so we can bring down larger animals. So yeah. He's eating this whole mammoth because he's got the munches. But the, yeah, the, there is this theory, isn't there? The, the LSD-like properties yeah. of mushrooms yeah. and yeah. other yeah. chemicals almost made their minds free flow yeah yeah and brought awesome. these new ideas to fruition yeah, yeah. And uh, here, not, not an excuse for having them in the morning before consulting but many people do take a very tiny dose in the morning yeah, and microdosing yeah it seems to help with their creativity with their mentation with their stress mm. levels I haven't yes. tried that. I can attest to that. I've been, I have, I'm not doing it right now for about two years. I was microdosing just a tiny little amount at bedtime. So, and no, no psychoactive effects, but did notice tremendous, tremendous differences in my ability to actually to interact, problem solving, communication, conflict resolution, all kinds of exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm a big fan. But one another thing I wanted to mention just on the subject of magic mushrooms is that both it's coming to veterinary medicine. There is a place for psilocybin magic mushrooms in well, veterinary medicine. And there are some. There yeah. We hope there is. We, yeah. Yeah. No, you go and ahead. Uh, you talk so about the evidence. I need to see the evidence first. Again, I'm. There you go. See, that's <laughs> an example. Yeah, <laughs> it's all great. And Rob's like, where's the evidence? This is in guard dogs and racing like, greyhounds, is it? Well, if they don't like THC, are they going to like the instability that, that the mushrooms create as well? Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably going to try it on my own dog, who, which is a good place to start. He's got PTSD from being from a rescue, and he's a lab and very needy and always wants to be near me. If he gets too near, he gets frightened. So he's got that kind of yin-yang. So I'm going to try that with him. I'm just kind of waiting to figure out how much to give him and when to do that. And you need to work out. You need to try and figure out how to be absolutely certain whether they need to listen to Pink Floyd afterwards or not. <laughs> well, you like the set the tone and the mood, yeah, it's going to be important. Absolutely. You give them a microdose. Is it interstellar overdrive? Is it the whole pipe at the gates of dawn? Oh what do you do? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to video him. Maybe that'll be helpful. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I think Ollie's going to like some ambient music personally. But yeah, no, just there are there we are aware of some studies with dogs coming, military dogs coming back with PTSD, mm. trying out mm. psilocybin with them. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of infiltrating veterinary medicine slowly, but like, like Rob says, what we don't know yet, sure, whether sure. it's going to be it's, bene truly it's beneficial. It's gaining ground as, as a human antidepressant. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and very effective, apparently. It's gotten, I mean, it's already been able to be decriminalized in a couple of states here mm -hmm. in the U.S. Yep. and municipalities. And I know our company, which is a Canadian company, I believe has recently received a license from Health Canada to grow mm -hmm. psilocybin. Our founder actually started as one of the first experts in psilocybin cultivation and medicinal mm -hmm. mushroom cultivation in general 40, 50 years ago. 
So, and that, so that's good. I mean, that they're yeah. growing up for Canadian use, Canadian medicinal use. So. Mm. Yeah. And even Australia has now legalized yeah. psilocybin and certain, which and they seem to be a little more, they, I always thought of Australia as being a bit more restrictive in mm. a lot of areas, uh, but they've, they just passed a law, I think last week or the week before, uh, that it can be used in therapeutic situations, et cetera. They used to be I so right. Mental too. health problems in our, on the globally is yeah. just has been big and i think we all can see reasons why that would be they all yeah. used to be so british <laughs> most, most of the world used to be british didn't well, it? Yeah, they but did actually yes keep calm and carry on but all this talk of magic mushrooms and marijuana i hope nobody's listening to this are you gonna have to censor this whole podcast <laughs> you'll have more listeners than ever for this podcast because of the interest in this <laughs> what's up tell me rob have you ever listened to this podcast I have not. I'm not much of a podcast listening kind of person. Oh. So I don't listen to any podcasts. So I've so, listened to one a few times, but that's so all. So you've not come across uh, the piece de la resistance of veterinary ramblings then? I have not. No. You've what not, is that piece de la resistance? It's, no, it's known as 60 Second CPD. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's, the, that's the best reaction we've well we had. had to find out what that meant Joni and I we had no we were idea. so confused yeah. <laughs> is that some sort of English thing it's an English thing yeah do you call it CE in the States continued education continued education yeah yeah so it's continuing professional development in, in the UK oh. Okay. So are we going to have to rename 60 Second CPD as 60 Second CE then tonight? <laughs> Is that what you're saying to me, Kieran? I think we are. Okay. So you're yes. going to take the challenge on, are you, Rob? Oh, yeah. No, I'm Fantastic. good. Okay. Well, I haven't got my usual timer here tonight, so who knows what might go wrong. But, <laughs> so what would you like to do your 60 Second CPD or your 60 Second CE on, Rob? And I'll introduce you, and we'll put the timer on, and I'll show you where you are. My my CPD will be on the blend of my love of cooking and my love of product development. Oh, ah, fantastic. Okay. fantastic! Fantastic, that's very good. Okay, so so Robert Silver, Doctor Robert Silver, yes. sixty second CPD on okay. your love of cooking and the blend with product development. Starting, let's see how this goes. Starting now. Okay. Well, I'm a veterinarian, and oh, please, that the tension is too big for me to see that. I'm a veterinarian, and, and my training has been primarily medicinal. But over the past 25 years, I've had the I've had the pleasure of having to create and design new formulas that would be very effective for very difficult to treat pet conditions. And never at, when I first was presented with that task. I wasn't really quite sure where to begin, but over the 25 years of my doing that, it turns out that I seem to have a real sense of how to blend different things together. And I have to credit that is because of the skills that I've developed over the years intuitionally about blending foods together when I create a new culinary masterpiece as for which I am also very well known. So that's why I feel that cooking and product development are the same. Wow. Well, well, there we go. That, that's an excellent 60 second CBD. And I think it's the first one that's made me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Time for your midnight snack, huh? It might well be. It might well be. Absolutely. Uh, it, Rob, you, you're definitely a man after my own heart. You mushroom foraging and cooking. I mean, does life get any better than that? No, not really. Well, so, I mean, there might be a few things, but we can't really mention. Well, yeah, no, we can't go into that. There's many a day I'll go out and do it for us with a friend, with a tramja cooker. Oh, hang on a minute. I don't think we'd want to hear this. There might be miners listening to the younger people listening to the show. Well, miners, miners can have a day off. They can come out from their mines and they can join us on a fungal foray. Uh, I and love we're, it. We're, gonna, we're a whole heap of mushrooms and, and cook them up. Suit eight I love it. <laughs> I, I think Junie and Rob, I think what you need to do is come over to Blighty and in the autumn and okay. we'll, uh, and we'll go on some forages. Yeah, we have actually, we have a foray planned actually next week. Yeah, we're meeting in California to go on a foray, a mushroom foray. So hopefully we will be cooking some, cooking up some, uh, some of the stuff we find. 
Oh, oh, fantastic. Well, there's nothing growing around here at the moment. The next thing we have in this country is wild garlic. Oh. Which uh, I, I, nice. I live on in the, in the spring. But that's not for another month till it warms up. I yeah. love it. That's have you great. got truffles? Have you got truffles in England? Yes. Uh, yeah, we have. I haven't found any. Oh, okay. You but need we, a truffle dog. Yeah. I do. I do. A legato, I, what, a legato, legato Romano. <laughs> yes. <laughs> morels. Morels. Yes. Chanterelles. Chanterelles. Yeah. Yep, morels and chanterelles. And they not quite a good variety. Um, mm-hmm. Amethysta Siva, very nice little, little dish in, in an omelette. Mm. Uh, Fistulana hepatica. Oh, nice beefsteak. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really I'm dying to really taste a fistulina. Yeah. I found one. I didn't know what it was. And yeah. it wasn't. And so I did the mushroom identification and it wasn't. It was just like I had already left the forest and found out that I had found a beefsteak and couldn't find it when they're, they're I went back so, and couldn't find it. Yeah. I, the first one I had, I just fried up, but it's so incredibly bitter. You've got to just boil them in a little bit of milk first. Just mm-hmm. get rid of some of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Many people think you can eat mushrooms raw and really you cannot. You don't. You can't derive any nutritional benefit. And some of them have mild toxic principles in them. Mm-hmm. Bitter. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned morels, classic example there. Yeah, I got sick off the first, the only time I've ever eaten morels, I didn't cook them enough and they made me sick. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a shipment of dried morels from, I was just up in Minnesota up in the North Mm. Country a week before last and was at the bar having dinner and having some drinks and the veterinarian that was sitting next to me, we talked about mushrooms and because he went to my class and says, oh yeah, I've got a whole hillside of morels. So we traded, I sent him some something and he sent me his dried morels. And so I got to find to eat some. Oh, Oh, wonderful. Very nice. I already went that way because the way it started with you were sitting at this bar, I'd sort of pictured this guy. Do you want to buy some morels? <laughs> well, maybe you don't know, but Minnesota is a—it's a lovely state, but it's a tad bit on the conservative side, and understandably, in the North Country, I think that kind of cold. It was 16 below when I was up there. Oh God! Wow. Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit, which is even colder in centigrade. Yeah. And, yeah. But what I was surprised was a lot of them forage. A lot of them even grow them their own. Like he said, yo, I grow shiitake on a log, you know, in my back. But then he says, I never thought about using them for pets. Yeah. So yeah. That's, Interesting. that's where the educational process can help people actually connect people with their roots in ways that they can actually adapt them to use in their practices. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What's just happened there is you've just beautifully rounded off because we came in talking about mushrooms and veterinary medicine and you've just sort of close that circle off by okay. making a lot of vets aware of a lot of the things that that we take for granted and mm-hmm. how they can be used to the benefit of the animals in their care but, but i guess the one caveat i'd add in there is i'm sure Joni and Robert, i'm sure you'd agree with this don't if you're listening out there don't just grab a mushroom that you love to eat and give it to your pet you need to get some veterinarian advice because my favorite mushroom is shaggy ink cap now i don't know whether it's called shaggy ink cap in in, uh, so caprinus comatus delicious there are reports that it causes vomiting and diarrhea in dogs interesting Mm. so that's raw which is of course how a dog would eat it and many of the caprinus species are not edible so no well happily drinking my gin and tonic here if I'd eaten some Caprinus atramentarius before doing that, then I'd be vomiting like a, a what's it, wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, it's used in aversion therapy, I believe, isn't it? To, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, we've always understood that the rule of thumb is if a mushroom is safe for a human, it's safe for a dog or cat. So that's interesting. But, you, Rob, you think it's because of the, they're eating it raw? I Possibly. We should check into I, it. I yeah. I'd, I'd have to look into some yeah. of the literature. It's really lucky, isn't it? Quite likely to reinforce the fact that mushrooms need to be eaten cooked. And this is one reason why it's good to have a a reputable company Mm. provide you with products for which identification and safety is secure. And with our products, we also standardize them to their potency, to their beta-glucan content. So it makes it so much easier if in a veterinary context or even a pet parent to use it because they know exactly how much they can be giving based on the animal's weight and its need for being helped by a mushroom. So yeah. Yeah. how can our listeners find out more your your work and your products? 
Our company's called realmushrooms.com. So www.realmushrooms.com. And starting in January, January of last year, Rob was at the helm. We launched a veterinary line. So there's there, we have a human line of real mushrooms that's been around for eight years now. And we just completed our first year of our veterinary line and it's doing very well, getting great feedback. We've got a lot of veterinarians signing up for accounts with us so that they can use it in practice. And uh, yeah, and we've got a lot of education on the website, blogs. If you are a veterinarian or a healthcare practitioner, you can, you can get a practitioner account, which not only gives you a discount, but it allows you into the the practitioner education portal where we have a lot of educational materials that we, we don't, we really only share with professionals and that's all available. Oh, hang on. We're talking about education. Yes. Julian. We've, yes. had our, we've had our 60 second CE or CPD. Have you got a certificate for us? I have. I have. Now, I don't know if you do this in the States, but when we've had some CE or some CPD, then we get a little certificate to take home and put in our bags and say, yeah. here we go. Here's a certificate. And it says, oh. Certificate of Mycological Ramblings and Things We've Been <laughs> Champing on the Bit to Say. And it also says, Mike is a fun guy to be with. And so, what, what have we got? Have we got. Uh, we'll start it. off here. This is some wonderful Ganoderma. This is a, yes. a tree just uh, at the end of my Ganoderma? road. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a Ganoderma species. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Uh, this this is Amethysta Siva, uh, the carious Amethysta, which is beautiful. There's a there's that beefsteak mushroom. Mm, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Th- there's a little cannabis plant there. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got it. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. Now this is some homegrown turmeric. Oh, okay. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful yeah. flowers. And uh, the wonderful uh, Fly Agaric. Uh, Amanita muscaria right there, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, which yeah. is not only a source of uh, various, but also a home for pixies. My favourite mushroom here, these... The porcini. Set, or penny bun, absolutely, but porcini. And I've no idea what this is, but presumably... It uh, could be. Also, <laughs> also it but looks like it could be a little cap, it's just about it, to open. It is. Mm-hmm. It's a type of liberty cap, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this we haven't mentioned. Oh, this is yeah. one of my favourite fungi, Phallus impudicus. What a great name, isn't it? The uh, stinkhorn. The stinkhorn. We, I, With, they come up in my yard out here. Yeah. And Crazy the, the looking mushrooms. The gelatinous egg that they erupt from is yes. naturally classed as an aphrodisiac because what, why wouldn't it be if it produces <laughs> that, that sort of, uh, that sort of fungus? Uh, exactly. But the, these are all. These are all mushrooms and fungi that I've picked throughout the years. I love um, that. And I absolutely adore mushrooms. And you have both indulged me to, to a very great extent tonight. Our pleasure. Oh, one thing I meant to ask was quite often clients will come in saying, I've heard of X, Y, or Z being useful. Where can I, you know, can I get it from you? Where can I get it from? I'm very open to clients asking me for nutraceutical advice for the herbal advice and pointing them because I have no real knowledge myself I point them to the people who do uh, but some advice for clients who perhaps have vets with rather more closed mindsets or who are uncertain or scared of giving their clients wrong advice what advice would you give firstly to the clients and what advice would you give to vets versus mm. US resources. But in terms of specific products, that becomes more difficult. There are training programs, though, in in supplements and different and herbs and things through, there's one online course out of Australia. It's called the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapeutics, just like it sounds, if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that, civt.org, which is a good source. Our company itself, Real Mushrooms, we're very strong in education. So if you're talking about information about mushrooms, particularly about veterinary applications or human applications, because we're very strong in both. We have a naturopathic physician um, who does my side of the work in the human realm. Then I would say, look to our website, realmushrooms.com. We have a lot of information and we're still creating more all the time. Mm. 
Go ahead. And we're doing monthly study groups. We're doing veterinary specific which, study groups monthly, yeah, where it's basically what did the studies stay every for two months at a time. We do them in different time zones. So the January, February, we did tur the turkey tail and hemangiosarcoma studies, of mm -hmm. which there are two of them. And so it's kind of like a like a book club and we did it east coast time and west coast time to allow as many veterinarians to come on each month we do live q a's on facebook we've got one tomorrow evening at 7 p.m eastern time where we just answer questions on facebook live about mushrooms yeah. I, I go completely un I have no idea what question is going to be asked and there I am live in front of thousands or at least maybe 60 people you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun stump the stars I think I've only been stumped once you have yeah I was pretty shocked when you got stumped actually I did a Facebook live for the first time a couple of weeks ago yeah um, it was interesting. It was interesting. quite a challenge, it's isn't it? Definitely interesting. Yeah, it's fun. And uh, yeah, but we do we do a lot like uh, we're doing a lunch and learn tomorrow. We, we do virtual lunch and learns. If a veterinarian is interested and they're in the UK, I mean, they can still come and attend the study groups. We have them from really yeah. from all over the world coming in. So Excellent. yeah, we could make it mushroom ramblings from now on. Except but it's veterinary ramblings and it's if you've enjoyed ramblings. if you've yeah. enjoyed what you've heard tonight and want to hear more don't forget subscribe it really does help us so veterinary ramblings i'd like to say a big thank you for rambling us through the woods on mushrooms fungi cannabis dr robert silver and joni camlet thank you very much may your dog go with you may your dog go with you <laughs> Cheers. 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 Cheers.